you know, like if you're right there on the water in Florida, but not necessarily Florida. What if you're in Memphis, right on the Mississippi River? You know, that's a factor. Yeah. You know, if you've got a house that is a, um, that's got a garage that's, you know, that may be enclosed, what FEMA's looking at now is the lowest habitational floor compared to the ground. They haven't really looked at that too much before. As I said, you look at that, cost to rebuild, distance to the water, type of flooding, you know, flood frequency. If you're in an area now that gets a lot of rainfall through the year, like what happened with Waverly, Tennessee, those can all be rating factors now. So there, there's more that goes into it than just, hey, I'm in a flood zone. Yeah, but no, I would tell you this. I used to be able to, I mean, I could tell you, hey, 580 a year, flood zone X. Now, you might have a 580 a year flood zone X rate in Houston, but you might have a $300 flood zone X rate in Atlanta or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's going to all be based on the individual structure. And that's why I call it the fingerprint. You know, as humans, we all have our own fingerprint. So we're all different, just like all these structures are all going to have their own risk. All right, welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell here, always with my amazing co-host, Mr. John Jones. How are you feeling? Fantastic. Feeling fantastic. Yeah. All right, we have an amazing podcast lined up today. Uh, we have a special guest, Mr. Chris Green, who is an absolute rock star expert in flood insurance. And we know that there's a lot of changes coming up with flood insurance. We figured we would grab Chris and have him drop some knowledge on all of us. So. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about um, you, your company, your background, and kind of what you uh, what you guys do? Yeah, so my name is Chris Green. I'm president and owner of the uh, Flood Insurance Guru, which is a flood education company that also offers flood insurance, flood consulting, and flood education across the country. Uh, my master's degree is in emergency management with a focus in flood mitigation. I, I bought a house in a flood zone about 12 years ago. I had a terrible experience with it when it came to the mortgage company and the real estate company. And so I saw an opportunity for education. And so about three years ago, I decided to go on this journey of doing a daily flood education a day across the country. So in the next two weeks, we're finishing up our thousand flood education videos in a thousand days, uh, traveling the country, helping people. And then I also run a, day, a daily podcast on flood education, as well as writing a blog for our website on uh, flood education. But we try to teach people how to understand the flood risk and how to reduce the flood risk to create long-term rate stability but you know, also to be aware of some threats they don't think about, like Ida right now, with the things that it's creating in Kentucky, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, New York, when it was a Gulf Coast hurricane. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, by the way, so I've got to make a comment on the poop happens hat. Um, and uh, <laughs> here we are, the day that we're recording this, um, as Chris just mentioned, Ida just came just through, through. Um, that Louisiana coast, but we got a message this morning from somebody we care about that's part of our team who lives in Long Island that uh, sent us some pictures of some pretty significant flood damage um, to his property. And again, I think, Chris, what you were saying is like, that's completely unexpected from a Gulf storm. Yeah, coming all the way straight up, straight up, not not, yeah. not up the coast. But I'm actually writing. We're writing a blog this week called Hurricane Ida from my Gulf Coast disaster to an Atlantic disaster. Wow, wow. So what what are some of the challenges? I, I I know what we really want to get into is the changes that are coming up with the national flood policy. But because this is kind of currently going on and it's it's news of today, what are some of the challenges um, that would pose for a homeowner who? I guess maybe not even thinking that this could be something that ever happens to them. Well, unfortunately, one problem is the way flood zones are done is people think, well, if I'm not in a high risk flood zone, I'm not a threat. But flood zones were not designed to understand the risk. They were designed from a regulatory standpoint 
to help mortgage companies understand whether flood insurance should be required. So what these flood zones come to is they're called a hundred year flood. They, you know, they're based on what's called a base flood elevation. That's what FEMA, you know, and their research thinks the water could come to. But what I tell people, I said, look, water's a lot like your in-laws. It's just going to show up at your door one day. It's not going to ask if it can come in. <laughs> uh, no, I said 30% of uh, claims generally happen in lower flood zones because of what's wow. happening all this amount of rainfall. But that's also why the National Flood Insurance Program has really been pushing for these changes to help people understand these risks, to adjust their models where risk equals premium, which is what we always try to teach people. Mm -hmm. Is you know we want to make sure first of all you don't overcharge, but we want to make sure you're not in the wrong flood zone. Mm -hmm. But we want you to understand you know what could happen. If something does happen, how do we help you continue the disaster recovery financially and emotionally? Yeah. So a a couple follow up questions to that. One is, you know, you were talking with us a little bit before we started here this morning about. you you were talking through with some people who've called you because of some recent flooding with the storm where the conversation that you're having is, do we really want to file a, a flood claim or do you want to take care of this yourself because of the long-term cost of a, 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 an increase in Going flood? Going to risk based yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize this, especially if you have a private flood insurance policy. If you have a significant claim, unlike the National Flood Insurance Program, a private carrier could non-renew that policy or... They can look at their data and have a lot of claims in the area, but you weren't impacted at all. They just had to move out of the area. Now you got to go back to the National Flood Insurance Program, which could be significantly higher. You might have to wait 30 days if you didn't notice it on your renewal. Now you got a gap in coverage where you may have forced place coverage through the mortgage company. Or you might have $10,000 of damage with a $5,000 deductible. But if we look at premium impacts over the next five years, if we make this claim, it's going to cost you an additional $20,000. And so that's why we try to you know, teach people, hey, let's look at short-term, long-term, and let's create long-term rate stability for you. Okay. So my other question with that, and, and um, I guess this is where me personally, I need some education. So um, I don't currently hold um, a flood policy, and I don't because you know, the, mortgage yeah, the, flood com- zone. Yeah. the mortgage company didn't make me get one because I'm not in a flood zone. Um, I, guess, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm asking the question, is that something I should be considering? I've actually been a big fan of, you know, changing this program where, hey, if there's a mortgage on a property, just require everybody, but come out with a standard rating system that's not, you know, astronomically high. Because if you're taking in those additional premiums, you can do a better job of balancing out the risk. And so, yeah, I've always told people, I said, look, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're in the flood zone X, flood zone A or AE, everybody's not, everybody's in the flood zone. It's just a matter of how much water it takes to get to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was part of the bigger waters right the, the, the deal the program they wanted to basically spread the risk across every homeowner mm-hmm. and everybody and people everybody pushed back saying my house will never flood mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, let's look at waverly tennessee who received 17 inches of rain in 24 hours i mean when that happens throw flood zones out the window yeah yeah, yeah that, that's a that's a good way of looking at it because that's not that's not necessarily water that's coming from Coming from yeah, the ground up, the ground up. Yeah, that's the you know, or or, or uh, you know, high tides or anything like that. That's just straight up rain getting rained down on you. See, yeah. that's the other thing though. When you talk about groundwater. Many times, groundwater is not going to be covered by flood insurance. You know, flood insurance is going to cover surface water, and so we hear that all the time in areas like Minnesota, where the sump pump didn't work properly and water came up through the ground, but you know there wasn't coverage there because of how FEMA defines a flood in, in certain situations. Yeah, crazy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, my takeaway right away is I probably need to take a look at 
getting some coverage for even you, though I'm not for, a for being zone. for being out of a flood zone your your policy is probably only a, yeah, a few hundred dollars a year um right now right now right you know, now it's, it's, it's starting to go off right now is about 570 a year okay but there's going to be your the right now my, is going to end i was going to say by the right but right now you're saying there could be a significant change okay so let's kind of flip the conversation to that because that's really what we wanted to uh to Get chat into. with you about yeah is there are some pretty significant changes coming up with um, you know, flood insurance across the country. Can you give us just a little bit of what's going on? When, when where, and why. Yeah, when, <laughs> where, and why. And then we'll kind of dig in deep with you a little bit. Yeah, it's called you know, NFIP or National Flood Insurance Program Risk Rating 2.0. You know, this is basically the new risk rating model. National Flood Insurance Program has been trying really to release since you know, the Bigger Waters Act many years ago. It was supposed to come out last year. It got delayed because of COVID and everything else. We thought it was going to get delayed again this year, but so far they're pushing it out. But I call it the fingerprint of flood insurance because what it does now is let's just say everybody had a house with a slab and they're at the same elevation. If you're in a flood zone A, everybody's getting the same rate. Well, with this new system, the reason I call it fingerprint of flood insurance is each structure is different. So my house is going to have a different fingerprint than my neighbor's is. Mm-hmm. And because of that, each structure is going to have a different rate. So there's going to be different things that go into considering rates now instead of flood zones and uh, different things on an elevation certificate necessarily. You're going to have, you know, distance to water, cost to rebuild a property now, you know, the type of flooding that occurs in an area, the flood frequency, and then the lowest habitational floor related to the ground level are all going to be things that are used as rating factors. Then you I said, you're going to have claim variables. So when you file a claim in the new program, they can do a 20 year look back and use a claim variable on top of the regular maximum rate increase of about 18% that can do every year. Wow. I mean, so what's that, the impacts on certain states, where do you see that like being a benefit or a negative? Do you have specific? You know, I'm seeing actually, we're seeing some benefits in some, you know, major metropolitan areas where things are going down, which is great. You know, FEMA said that the average policy should be going down. But in areas like New York, New Jersey, Florida, Texas, Louisiana, we're seeing, you know, massive increases. We've seen people going from $700 a year to $6,400 a year in the new program. Yeah, I mean, that that right there, that that could knock some people out of being able to afford their home. Yeah, and, before- and that was a big pushback by local Congress was, hey, this is going to cause our residents to go into foreclosure bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Right. This could the real estate market if we're not careful here. Yeah. yeah. So, so back, we, we, we were talking earlier, but, but going back to about 2012 or 13, when FEMA didn't renew the flood policy and, and homeowners that were in the process of trying to, re, you know, insure, um, were doing exactly that. You, your policy was going from two grand to 12 grand. Um, and that lasted, I think maybe 60 days before they renewed and, and made everything retro. But that essentially in Florida, that panicked home sellers and home buyers and really shut down the waterfront um, yes. search. Yeah, in real estate, yeah. I, I remember that time. It, it pretty much came to a screeching halt because, you know, people couldn't afford the $20,000 flood insurance Yeah, policy. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. So, Chris, you were talking to us a little bit when we were getting ready to go on, too, that you're, you've kind of been doing, I'm going to call it probing, where you've got you and your team looking at some um, specific homes and some specific metropolitan areas to try to gauge where you're going to see significant increases or decreases, or is it, Hey, is it going to be much of the same? What, what are you learning as you kind of do that research? Yeah, we're learning a special lot of this when it comes to, you know, basements, these older homes, which are called pre-firm and post-firm if they were built before the first flood map and after, 
you know, that's always been a big thing with subsidized policies. You know, if you had a prefirm structure of how it didn't have to follow necessarily certain garlic guidelines because it was built before the first flood map. And so we're really taking a look at each one of those areas. What we want to do is show residents in the areas, hey, if you had this type of property, this is roughly what you could possibly be looking at with this new program. Yeah. Now, where I see a big impact here, especially with private flood insurance, everyone's like, well, I think this can knock private flood insurance out because FEMA's coming into the 21st century. It's going to make private flood insurance even more important because you still have it with FHA was open for public comment, you know, six months ago, but really hasn't made a ruling on whether they're going to allow private flood insurance or not. So this could have a massive impact on FHA buyers or people who have FHA loans right now. Mm-hmm. So the, um, th- there's two different periods, time periods that are coming up for these changes. The first one is coming up on new policies. Starting and, in October. Yeah. And that's starting in October. October 1st, 2021. And then you have renewal uh, April 1st, 2022. Now what FEMA is saying is, hey, if this positively impacts you, you can enter this program right away, even okay. in the middle of the policy. If it doesn't, you can wait to the renewal in April of 2022. But in April 2022, we want everybody in this new program. Okay. All right. So we might be able to help you out and sleep a little bit this year, but it's going to kill you next year. Yeah. So, so my question is, how does a homeowner that has an existing policy know whether it's going to help or hurt? Well, their agent should be able to show them that. Okay. Because they should be able to. Here's what you're at now. Here's what the new program would be at if you know we go through and do this. Okay. Okay. So it's not one of those things where once you see what's behind the curtain, they're going to. You've got to take it. Yeah, you've (laughs) got to take it. Well, you're going to have to take it. You're not may not have to take it for another year. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Now, are there any protections or provisions in the rate increase? Like, is there a max? Existing policies. Yeah. Is there an exact, it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is there a um, percentage percentage cap on how much a renewal policy can go up? It generally has that number at 18%, but of course that 18% usually doesn't include, you know, there are different kind of fees like reserve fees, the Home Insurance Affordability Act fee either ICC fees, and then maybe, you know, with the new program with what they call the claim variable, there could be above that. So that 18% really relates to the base premium of, okay. you know, what they're charging. Okay. So essentially, like, they could tack on a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, when yeah. you go when you go buy a car, it's like, hey, we got a dealer fee. We got a, you know, clean your car fee. We got a, you know, we... You know, all, it, yeah. like this is the price of the car, Shit, but then there's all these crazy. 20 other things right. that have nothing to do with the cost of the car. Yeah. Okay. It's also important to understand, you know, as much as they want to, they're not doing this yet as they're not changing coverages. All the coverages are still the same on commercial and residential. There's still no additional living expenses or loss of use. Mm-hmm. So those things are staying the same. You know, grandfather is staying the same for right now. Policy assumptions are staying the same for right now. Newly met policies are staying the same for right now. So all those things are still staying the same. And that's what we've been traveling the country teaching people. Hey, here's what's staying the same. Here's what's changing. Here's, you know, when it's changing. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing is when you say 18%, the homeowner thinks that's not too bad, right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, that means your policy will double in five years. Over the course, uh, yes. You know, so Over the that, course of five years, it could double, yeah. Right. So, so say you have a $3,000 policy right now. You could be looking at a $6,000 policy in five years. Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously there's a difference between private flood insurance programs and the NFIP, whatever, um, National Flood Insurance Program. My question is, you know, we, we had um, our friend who connected us with Chris, David Carruthers, on our podcast, and we, we were talking about homeowners insurance specifically with him. You know, one of the things he reminded us of is, hey, listen, these insurance companies, they're going to find a way to turn a profit. They, they are a for-profit business, right? Do you feel that 
with having private insurance available out there that it's gonna it could get more competitive price wise well i think that private companies have a better gauge of the risk right now okay it's some of the technology they're using everyone's like well private won't won't do this for me they won't do it for a reason you know they call it a flood risk score like well you know they're using a lot of these different factors like type of flooding in an area flood frequency and they can use that to gauge their score rather than know if they want to take a risk on it or not some things that fema hasn't been using so I was like, you know, but here's a, at the end of the day, private's still offering a lot more coverage than the national flood insurance program, it, you know, on, on commercial policies, it still offers loss of use a lot of times, which sometimes some of these commercial banks require that. And so private's still there, but yes, the pricing on private in certain areas is still going to be way better because for example, for the national flood insurance program, if you have a secondary property and Florida is probably a pretty good idea here, they're going to charge you $250 per year. These private companies generally aren't charging more because it's a secondary property. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. One one of the questions I have when people have a, a flood policy, they assume that that is going to like your home gets you know flooded and completely needs to be rebuilt. What's the maximum coverage somebody has provided to them? Well, the national flood insurance program it's two hundred fifty thousand. Right. And commercial is five hundred thousand. But what people don't realize. And we see this a lot where they're well, my check was for 15,000, but my house was for 150,000. I mean, what's up? And they don't realize the 80% rule. FEMA's condition is either you have to insure for the max 250 or 80% of the replacement cost, you know, which one's higher. And so these people are like, oh, I only need, you know, my loan's only for $80,000. And then when a claim occurs, they're like, I can't fix my house for this. And so we find that people are completely unaware of that 80% rule. And it's the same thing on private is that many times if it's not 80 or 90% of the replacement cost, they're defaulting that to an actual cash value policy. So in, in the 250, I think it's important to talk about regular homeowners insurance and in, in the event that you have to file a claim, mm -hmm. your property can be rebuilt. With flood, if you look specifically in Florida, if, <clears throat> for example, my neighborhood with the old slab home, single story, mm -hmm. right, not elevated, if we were to have a flood occurrence, you know, those home values far exceed what the 250 Correct, is. So yeah. where, where, where does that leave, you know, the homeowner in that situation? Well, you've got a possible buyout program. It depends on the what's called the hazard mitigation grant program. That's normally a 75-25 rule. And that means that FEMA is willing to pick up 75%. Local communities willing to pick up 25%. And they can go in and decide, hey, if we want to buy these properties out, uh, for example, in Atlanta, Georgia, they did this very heavy run of Six Flags area back in 09 when the law of flooding occurred. But the local counties get to decide which properties they want to offer that buyback on so that they don't flood again. Okay. So can you give us real quick some – so, well, a couple questions. Man, you got my mind racing. So is – are flood policies – I think we get this question a lot. Are they transferable? For the National Flood Insurance Program – they're transferable, they're called some policy assumption, but it depends like um, who you're through, you know, it depends on the carrier. Like uh, if you have a captive company that has that policy, sometimes you have to use another agent with that captive company, but what you're doing is you get a form signed, assigning it from yourself to the new homeowner. And I did this myself on a house I bought. We've done four policy assumptions on it, you know, to kind of protect the rate. Mm -hmm. And that's been over the last 10 years. And it usually takes about 72 hours to get that approved with FEMA. Okay. So um, what specific, so, so we're making the move with the new flood policy changes to it being more risk-based pricing. 
What, yeah. what are some of the factors that go into determining that risk? The new, and as I said, like I talked about with the fingerprint, some of the things I look at now are, are your distance to water. You know, like if you're right there in the water in Florida, but not necessarily Florida. What if you're in Memphis, right on the Mississippi River? You know, that's a factor. Yeah. You know, if you've got a house that is a, um, it's got a garage that's, you know, that may be enclosed. What FEMA's looking at now is the lowest habitational floor compared to the ground. They haven't really looked at that too much before. As I said, you look at that, cost to rebuild, distance to the water, type of flooding, you know, flood frequency. If you're in an area now that gets a lot of rainfall through the year, like what happened with Waverly, Tennessee, those can all be rating factors now. Okay. So there, there's more that goes into it than just, hey, I'm in a flood zone. Yeah, but I would tell you this. I used to be able to, I mean, I could tell you, hey, 580 a year, flood zone X. Now, you might have a 580 a year flood zone X rate in Houston, but you might have a $300 flood zone X rate in Atlanta or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's going to all be based on the individual structure. And that's why I call it the fingerprint. You know, as humans, we all have our own fingerprint. So we're all different. Just like all these structures are all going to have their own risk. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier about a 20-year look back. So if I'm buying a home, is that a question that I want to ask an agent uh, or, or a home we seller? We always have them reach out because what happens with FEMA, because of privacy laws, only the current property owner can get a copy of any flood losses that have occurred on that through the National Flood Insurance Program. So Texas passed a property disclosure law several years ago that actually goes really far to protect homeowners. I wish most states would really pass it. After Harvey, a lot of people weren't disclosing flood claims. They went to file a claim. Now, all of a sudden, they're on the severe repetitive loss list, and their flood premiums are $10,000 a year, and they can't afford it because they didn't know about flood losses. So the property disclosure, you, know, you have to disclose that it's had any flood claims. You have to disclose what flood zone it's in. You even have to disclose if you're between two reservoirs now because of all the flooding that occurred in Houston with all the uh, hurricanes a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And so Texas is doing a really good job of trying to protect homeowners. Yeah, okay. So, Chris, I, I guess what would be – what would be your overall advice for like, you know, you just, it, I, I thought doing mortgages was hard. Okay. Like this, there's a lot that goes into this as well. And as somebody who would need to buy a flood policy and not knowing what I don't know, like what, what is your advice for folks who, like as right they're shopping now, this out? Yeah, yeah. Right now it's, it's, it potentially could be a huge change, huge impact. Yeah. My concern is that they're not being advised correctly. So someone just says, hey, here, call FEMA, file this flood claim. Well, why didn't you tell me this is going to be the impact of me, you know, this claim look back? And it's important to understand so we can advise people correctly to help them protect their property value, to help them protect their wallets, or know, hey, this flood claim is going to take me six months to settle with FEMA when it may not possibly take me 60 days with private, setting the expectation for all that. So if someone says, yeah, we write a couple of flood policies a year. To me, that might be an alarm that maybe I'm not working with the right individual because there's so many moving parts. It's the reason why all we do is flood. We used to offer all those other ones several years ago, but the way flood changes, you really have to be constantly studying it. I mean, I study the National Flood Insurance Program three nights a week for all the changes that come out twice a year, you know, so that we know it back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think generally when people, they're going to call somebody, they're going to ask for a flood quote, and they're just going to go, well, that, that one's the cheapest. That's the one I'm going to take. And to what Chris is saying is, hey, you, before you do that, you need to have a little bit of education on what all goes into it because it's not as simple as just this is how much it costs. 
well, the thing we see is people going on, they get this cheap flood quote, they file a claim, they're like, well, I don't have coverage for this. I don't have coverage for that because no one actually had answered their questions. They were just doing everything on their own. They didn't explain maybe the 80% rule or previous claims on a property if they're not disclosed correctly. Maybe a private company can deny coverage there. Mm -hmm. Or when is flood actually going to pay out? You know, two acres or two properties that are normally dry have to be inundated with water. Chris, I, have a, <clears throat> I want to ask about FEMA and the rates and how, how you get a rate or determine a rate. If I go to three different agents in, let's say, the same house, how do I get different quotes from different agents? What factors in Only it's because of agent knowledge. It's maybe, you know, that's, and that's one of the things FEMA's trying to change, and that's one of the other reasons they're going this new system. They're trying to make things easier for agents. They're trying to make things easier for property owners because it's a very complex system right now. And so that's the struggle is I get three different rates, you know, which one's correct. Or 15 days later after I close, I get a letter from FEMA that my rates go into this because I didn't have this documentation. And so that's what we find. All rates are supposed to be the same through FEMA. Right. When we find out that they're not, it's usually because agent knowledge is at different levels. Like in Florida, you've got extremely high knowledge. But someone in the state of Idaho who doesn't deal with it very often may be at a different knowledge level. Yeah. So um, one of the things we talked about, too, with you a few weeks ago, um, we had John with a group of loan originators. And one of the questions that came up is, am I able to change the flood zone that I am in as I'm going about quoting out a policy? And with well, the process is called letter of map amendment. We help people with that every day. Now, what we will find out is, hey, no one ever told me this was an opportunity. When someone comes to us, we explain to them, hey, we're not going to do a flood quote for you. What we're going to do is a flood risk proposal. One of the steps in that risk proposal process is very, first of all, verifying you're in the right flood zone. Because we've seen it where, you know, mortgage companies will order their zone determination. You know, everybody uses a third party. Sometimes that third party is wrong or they just take it and they don't actually look and say, you know what? The line is just outside the house. My yard is in the high risk flood zone, but the house is not. Yeah. Well, then there's an issue there because the flood risk and the flood premium are not balancing up correctly. Mm -hmm. First of all, they're just uh, associating the flood risk with the flood zone. So we try to teach them, look, the flood zone and the flood risk, it's all probability. And so you want to kind of throw the zone out the window when we're talking about risk. What we want to take and look for you is we take historical data in an area of flooding. You know, when did it last occur? Why did it occur? How has land development in the area changed your risk? And so we go through that whole process. And then we send a video out to the customer explaining all that with a whole breakdown of me showing them what is the flood risk? You know, what is a flood zone? What does it mean? Can I change it? Should I change it? And if I do change it, do I need to carry flood insurance? Which the answer to that question is always yes. We're not changing so people don't carry flood insurance, <clears throat> changing it so the risk and the premium can kind of match up. Correctly. Matches up. What advice do you have right now, if, I guess, if you're looking to buy a home and in getting the right quote? Well, what I would say is, especially right now, one of the first things you should ask for is to get a call, have the property owner call FEMA, get that letter of loss. You know, I always tell all of our realtors, look, have that ready because a good buyer is going to ask for that. I know we're in a crazy market right now, but like we had one in Alabama where they didn't ask for it. And he thought it only had flood damage once and had flood damage six times. Oh, oh but yeah. it wasn't. It's a buyer beware state. And so that's one of the first things that I ask people. I also ask them, hey, when you're looking at this, whoever you're talking to, ask them about long term rate stability. You know, what's been the history of this property the last three to five years? What's going to be happening in the next three to five years? You don't want to get in this thing. Oh, I got a cheap rate this year. Next year is $4,000. What if somebody could have told you that? And that's something we try to teach people every day. Cool. So you talked about the increase October 1st and then in the spring for, for uh, renewals. 
So yeah. if I don't assume a policy and I, I go under contract, buy a home, close in November, if I don't assume a flood policy, potentially I could go from the existing homeowner paying like two grand to paying or getting quoted seven or eight, 10 grand on a new policy. Or, or it could be less. Okay. That's the problem is that you just don't know until you get in there right now. Okay. So if I get that quote, then if I'm a realtor advising a client, then we work towards um, assuming the existing policy. Yeah, because I said that may buy you time at least for the next year. That policy assumption said it's eventually going to come to what's called full risk, full rated risk. But that might happen over a two or three year period. Okay, so if I assume a policy, though, the am I protected each year, the 18% increase? Yeah, it's going to go okay. up, you know, right now, as I said, FEMA so can't go up more than that. Okay. So maybe you have a claim and that having a claim could, of course, change things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing that comes down to it all, you know, obviously is you know, perils, right? So the more that there are, the more expensive this whole thing gets because you've got to replace the coffers to pay out all those policies, right? Yeah. And I kind of compare this whole re-rating every customer to what's going on right now in Florida with the home insurance market. You know, I mean, it's just a disaster right now. And you had flood on top of that. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of friends who run insurance agents in Florida and it's just going to be a matter of survival for the next three years because you're just having to do so much work mm -hmm. because of everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Here, you know, again, we had, when we had David on the, the podcast, one of the things we asked him is dude, like, what's up with all these free roofs, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, they're free right now, but you're going to pay for, you are going to pay for one regardless of whether you got one or not. Right. You know, the insurance companies are going to make money and until, you know, from talking to you, one of the things I continue to hear you say is like every state, has some different parameters or some rules or laws on these policies. You know, what David was saying is, you know, in, until these states do something to protect, you know, these insurance carriers from things like, you know, I mean, listen, I had somebody come out to my house. My roof is 17 years old, right? That it's an old roof. It doesn't missing one shingle. Yeah. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and they're saying, Hey, we're going to give you a completely free roof. And, your yeah, insurance like company is gonna, that's a maintenance issue, not an insurance issue. Exactly. You know, it's an old roof. It needs to be replaced. Right. It, you know, that is what it is. You know, I shouldn't that be. That happened in Georgia back in 09, and insurance companies got killed. Everybody was getting a new roof. And that's when the insurance companies made a lot of changes on that. Yeah. So cool. Well, Chris, man, we appreciate you being on. You dropped a ton of knowledge on us. I know that, uh, man, you go all around the country uh, speaking on this and educating consumers and educating folks like John and I and real estate agents. And uh, so we appreciate you taking a little bit of your time today to spend with us. And, uh, you know. One, one last question so everybody understands, though. Why the increase in, uh, of flood um, the, in the premiums is how much is, does FEMA in the hole right now in billions I mean, of they're dollars? broke. I mean, they'll tell right. you that. So we're you know, not, they, we, we talk about. Funding them. We talk you know, about. I kind of like to compare it to the Social Security. You know, Social Security is going to be empty, you know, in a few years. Right. So they've got to find a way to kind of, you know, plug the holes because for so long, I mean, let's be honest, this program was created in 1968. And yeah, there's been some small changes, but for the most part, you know, it's not in the 21st century. And it's got to be in the 21st century in order for people to. So we've been subsidized, essentially spoiled for the last 30, 40 years with FEMA yeah. and the flood policy. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're suddenly looking to make yeah. a ton of money. They're just looking to, no, they're doing to, 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 to make, right? to, to break even or maybe make yeah. a little profit. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to be able to pay out the claims, right? I mean, yep. That's what it, yeah. what it comes down to, too. So cool. 
Well, man, Chris, thanks for joining us. Um, again, thanks for tuning I'll in. I'll tell you this. If you ever have any questions, check out our YouTube channel. That's where a thousand videos in a thousand days is. If there's something that's not on there that you're looking for an answer on, let me know. And we'll yep. make it awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, if you're watching this on YouTube, check out the description. We'll make sure we have Chris's contact info in there. Um, way to get to his podcast and everything so you can get all the information you need. Chris, man, we really appreciate you being on. Thanks, Chris. And if there's anything we can do for any of y'all out there, we're always here to serve. Yeah.